Hi guys, and welcome to episode three of the Weirdly Normal podcast. So for this episode, I'm gonna talk to you guys about something I like to call active self-awareness. Active self-awareness is basically a dedicated and directed process through which we get to better know ourselves. Sounds like a bit of a weird and whimsical kind of notion, but it's something that I'm super duper into. Uh, It's something that I think we could all benefit from. And it's something that I also think that those already engaging in self-awareness practices could benefit from some sort of balancing out of the pros and cons to do with too much self-awareness and introspection, something I'm definitely guilty of. Before we get into that, give you guys a little life update from me. So it's been a bit over three weeks since I, yeah, a bit over three weeks or just about three weeks since I first got here to Iceland. And uh, first of all, that's now the second longest I've been in one place for the last eight months, which is kind of nice. It feels cool to be unpacked and not living out of a suitcase for the first time in a while, not feeling transient as well. What I've really enjoyed so far has been the routine and the access to as many incredibly intelligent and successful people as I do on a day-to-day basis. Every member of the team, uh, Yami the coach, Frederick who's coaching us as well, and all the other people that I've been around at CrossFit Reykjavik have just been phenomenal resources in terms of not only athletic development, but personal development as well. And that's an environment in which I thrive in. It's kind of like going to school every day that we go to the gym, which is very different. It's you are mentally switched on from the time that you arrive until the time that you leave each session. That's something that I'm definitely not used to when it comes to training. Uh, Training's always just been you train, you hang out, you muck around, train again, hang out again, and then off you go. So that has been very interesting in terms of the how tired I feel after a day of training even if the work, the demand of the actual physical exertion isn't super high, I'm getting used to the idea of being physically and mentally working the entire time that I'm at the gym. Something I have struggled with is definitely adjusting to the temperamental weather, uh, mostly to do with the fact that because the weather is so all over the place, your ability to just kind of get out of the house, walk around, see sites, engage with other people, go new places is quite limited because you don't really want to walk around when it's bucketing down with rain or snow or blistering cold winds, uh, particularly if you're not used to that cold nor have the appropriate clothing. Um, And as as a result of that, and also just how exhausted we are after training, I've just been spending a lot of time kind of on my own here in my room, which uh, now is beautifully getting some sunlight. The light The days are longer already, even in the last three weeks. It's crazy how much they've changed. However, someone like me, when I'm alone with my own thoughts for a long period of time, they will inevitably start to get a little dark and a little anxious, uh, let's call it insecure, self-deprecating, and I can start to really spiral. And I felt myself definitely doing that towards the end of last week. I think the pressure of, even though it was just a fun exhibition competition, the pressure of going into a competition on the weekend, uh, particularly paired with Annie, um, who's obviously just incredible, (laughs) uh, was just adding to that. And I, yeah, certainly wasn't 
my best self at the end of last week nor on the weekend however had a wonderful weekend uh, wonderful Sunday where I got out of the city I was able to go for a drive get out into nature and take a little bit of time to sort of stop reset and I feel a lot better with that I've also started therapy again uh, via uh, I guess telehealth therapy which was I had a really good session actually thinking of switching to a particular a different type of therapy um, with a very different intent but I'm really excited reading a new book uh, I have been listening to a couple of new podcasts a lot to do with like emotional regulation which is kind of the path I'm on at the moment looking at my emotions uh, more not critically or critically and also uh, with, with a bit more kind of focused intent on that so that's what's going on in my world at the moment. Uh, training's good. Little bit of a back niggle. Still got this cough that's kind of lingered since I first got here. But these are all small things that, uh, in, in the scheme of things, training's going great otherwise. Um, so anyway, getting to active self-awareness. So I guess a little, that was a good little segue into active self-awareness because having that interest, uh, being able to kind of articulate what's going on in my life is something that I feel very comfortable with. And it's something I feel comfortable with because I've spent a lot of time on introspection. Now, for me, that comes from some of my earliest childhood memories being, I guess, not quite understanding why I thought and felt the way that I did, particularly in response to certain scenarios and situations and having to get very good at sifting through my thoughts and feelings to, to first of all, articulate them to other people that may not have understood why I was thinking and feeling those ways as well. And second of all, to be able to make sense of them to myself. So I've always been a very introspective person. And as you'll kind of find out throughout this episode, that has its positives and negatives. So self-awareness, it's one of, I do, I do some workshops and I've done some kind of stuff uh, on like mental fitness or mental health. I, I call it mental fitness because I think mental health still carries a bit of stigma. And when looking at kind of what makes someone mentally healthy, mentally fitter than someone else, and I believe that exists on a spectrum. So I'm not talking about if you have mental illness versus you are mentally healthy. I sort of came up with four key pillars, four key pillars of mental health or mental fitness. And those pillars are resilience. So that's our ability to bounce back from uh, some sort of distressing situation or trauma. Connectivity, connection. So our ability to relate to and connect with other people, both just like in day-to-day -day interactions, romantically, friends, all that stuff. Uh, third is emotional regulation. Again, that's what I'm doing a lot of work on at the moment personally. And then fourth, and actually kind of the foundation of all of these pillars, and in fact, the foundation I would say you need to kind of build before you start looking at the other four is self-awareness. So self-awareness to me is simply how well we understand ourselves. How well do we understand um, and are we willing to accept ourselves, I think is kind of the second level to that. So we might think we understand ourselves pretty well, but there's a lot of different things that interfere with our ability to clearly see ourselves. And then there's a lot of things that interfere with our ability to take feedback from other people as to the nature of the self. And that's where it becomes quite tricky to really get down and get to know. So what is it there is to know about each other? Okay, well, what are your triggers and your traumas? That's a big one. So what's happened to you in the past? How does that show up in your day-to-day -day now? What are your emotional responses to that? What are some positive and negative coping mechanisms you've got from that? 
Those are all things that are probably going to be subconscious at this, subconscious or unconscious at this stage that we're trying to figure out. And then we've got our more conscious stuff. It's like, what do you like? What do you dislike? What do you enjoy doing? What do you get fulfillment out of? How, what are your values? Values is a big one. And what are your core values and core beliefs? They're huge. I used to poo-poo on that whole idea of values being anything, but when you start to really dive into therapy and you start to really dive into getting to trying to change and level up yourself, you'll really start to understand the importance of being able to have very clear core values because value-oriented behaviors, that's how that's how you change maladaptive behavioral patterns. You direct them towards things that are gonna move you towards a place of either existing as a person that exudes the values you kept your core values, or towards pursuing those core values in some sort of meaningful action. So when it comes to active self-awareness, like I was saying before, like I've felt very dysregulated recently. And as a part of that, particularly last week, I started to take back, go back to meditating. Meditation is for me a form of active self-awareness. What I mean by that is by choosing to meditate for 10 minutes per day, and that's what I start with, I am choosing to engage in an activity in which I sit with myself. Now I use a mix of guided and then just unguided. So I'll just put some music and a timer on. Guided meditation is great because it takes the stress off me to have to guide myself through it. Unguided is really good for just letting my thoughts and feelings flow freely and exploring them. And so I've been doing the 10 minutes of guided meditation each day, but I decided the other day I wanted to sit nestle in and do a big 45 minute of unguided. It's really hard for me to sit still for 45 minutes, but man, I went on a journey. I just put on some music, had a pen and paper next to me, just kind of let myself think. Anything that was a really pertinent thought I wrote down, anything that was kind of whimsical, I just let come and go. And that kind of allowed me to really sift through how I was feeling about a variety of different things. Now, the beautiful thing about combining meditation with journaling like that is meditation gives you that time alone with your own thoughts. Journaling those thoughts gives you some sort of tangible point of reference to sift through those thoughts. If you're someone like me, I'll often have a really strong thought or urge like, or like I'll remember something or I'll think something and I'll be like, fuck, I need to remember this. And so I often have the urge to write it down straight away and I have to write it down because otherwise it'll float around and float around and then it'll go. And I'll remember I had that thought, but I won't necessarily remember exactly what it was. That's journaling, that's ad hoc journaling. So journaling gives you an opportunity to write down those thoughts and feelings. And why that's so powerful is if you've journaled regularly for a period of time, if you're sort of stuck with something and there's some sort of big life event that's come up and there's or there's some sort of issue and you're not quite sure how to make a decision around that, you can go back and look at your journaling and you can kind of start to look for themes and patterns. And those themes and patterns, they can be positive. It can be things that regularly happen that make you feel good. Or they can be negative, things that regularly happen that make you feel bad. And if you can start to piece together those different themes and those different kind of I guess, positive thoughts, negative thoughts, you'll start to, it's a really good kind of uh, way of getting to the bottom of, uh, first of all, figuring out what some of your core values are and your core values can be sort of approach or avoid. It can be things you want to work towards or things you don't want to work towards and you want to avoid. And if you're able to kind of do that, you can start to look at, well, okay, if you've got some sort of big decision to make, if you can't, if you look at what 
things have happened in your past or thoughts and feelings you've been having regularly, you can use that to then guide your choices. You can use that there. It's, it's, it's about building a relationship with yourself. It's about getting to know who you are and then starting to create your habits on the top of that. I think a lot of people, particularly in the fitness space, they're very habit and action oriented. And that's a really great thing to be. However, if you're just kind of, and I'm guilty of this at times in my life as well, throwing mud at the wall and hoping for something to stick. And what I mean by that is just taking action, trying to start new habits, trying to implement new uh, behaviors. But those behaviors aren't actually congruent with your most authentic self. Then you're going to start self-sabotaging at some point in time. And what we're going to then accumulate is a lot of what we perceive to be little losses. So little failures where we don't meet the goals or expectations we set for ourselves. And it's not necessarily indicative of us being not good enough or not mentally strong enough. It's simply that we're trying to act in a way that goes against the very fabric of who we are as a human being. That's where the active self-awareness comes in. Another, another brilliant way that you can do that as well is through therapy, is through going to speak to someone who is an objective observer of what you tell them. Now, this is you know an extremely big one for me as well as you've got to be willing if you're going to therapy to let that person into all of you. And it's something that I'm certainly guilty of in the past is to kind of go to therapy and you've got an issue you want to work out and present that issue, talk about that and neglect other things that are going on in your life or other important pieces of information. And that's kind of no different to talking to a friend or someone that's not objective. And it's really wasting your time and money to be fair because... (laughs) You just kind of, you know, you could go online and you can find that self-confirming biases and stuff like this to kind of support your own beliefs as they are. But I guess that process of self-awareness, it takes time. Uh, it's also about, I mean, like the other thing as well when it comes to self-awareness is, is our personality types. Personality type being something I'm fucking fascinated with. So... There's five, I use the, I, I like to use the big five personality model and there's five big personality traits. Uh, they're openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. It's one of the most, it is the most scientifically researched and validated form of personality. So what you wanna do is, if you can kind of understand how those different personalities work and your time, we could do a whole episode on that, but it's a cool thing that you can do to also improve that self-awareness is to understand your personality type. And yeah, I think I probably will do an entire episode just on that in the future because there's so much in that. There's so much in that that shows how different we all are. And because we're all so different, how unique different types of information and different approaches to doing things should be. But yeah, that's that's topic for a whole other time and day. <clears throat> I think developing a self-awareness practice so making sure that you are doing something that's active and consciously working towards better self-awareness regularly is the most important part of all of this to take away and i guess on the flip side of that is and this is a tricky one to talk about is the idea of self-awareness also potentially becoming a negative thing So there's a great quote by Nietzsche that I really like. And it's, you know, uh, if you stare into the abyss long enough, the abyss stares back into you. And I am certainly someone who gravitates more towards the negative. I know that just from life. 
and also from my personality type. I'm a high, high neuroticism, which is basically sensitivity to negative emotion. And with that, I know that if I spend too much time analyzing myself, I'm inevitably going to start picking myself apart and getting very focused on negative traits and aspects. Now, why I really use that quote of the idea of if you stare into the abyss long enough, the abyss stares back into you, how I interpret that. There's a lot of different interpretations to that quote, and I didn't use it entirety because I can't remember the first part and I had it on my notes on my phone but that's there Um, the reason I use that though is because it's the idea that if you look into darkness darkness becomes you if you are only spending time sifting through your life and looking at all the negative traits and the negative aspects about yourself and looking for the triggers and the poor coping mechanisms and the maladaptive behavioral responses and your traumas, and that becomes the focus of all of your self-awareness work. Understand that there is a good chance that first of all, you'll go down a rabbit hole that is very hard to climb out of. And down in that rabbit hole of sort of self-aware, like darker self-awareness, negative self-awareness, it's a very self-centered place to exist. When you're constantly looking for threats, you're living in this survival mode. And it's a survival mode of your own creation. So you are constantly hypervigilant for your own negative behaviors. You start to see them in patterns that aren't necessarily negative. You start to see them in behaviors that you don't, that aren't aren't bad. You aren't exhibiting those different things in. And you'll start to become a self-fulfilling prophecy. You will embody these negative qualities about that you are afraid of within yourself or that you're aware of within yourself, but in all facets of your life. And it become a pattern of just constantly looking for them rather than being able to see the positives and the other things that are going on in your life and in the people's lives around you. And again, something I'm super duper guilty of myself going down that rabbit hole and getting so self-deprecating and negative that I become stuck in in that space of darkness when instead we can spend time pulling out the pieces of light within us too. Because it's the beauty of us all, we have that light and we have that darkness. So when you're doing that self-awareness, when you're doing your journaling particularly, I never used to do prompted journaling. I used to prefer to just do ad hoc unguided, but I've found that it's very powerful and a very necessary thing for me to use prompted journaling. Because if I don't have prompts to force me to think of positive things about myself and positive experiences, I will inevitably spend that time just being self-critical. And so positive journal, like positive journal prompts can be things about like, uh, what's something positive about you? You know, what's something you did well? What is something that you enjoyed? And this is like a day-to-day thing. Like what's something you enjoyed that day? What's something you did well that day? What's a way that you were able to help someone that day? And what is uh, an experience that you're looking forward to? Making sure that we balance that positive and negative when we're doing that active self-awareness work is super important because we want to be able to develop ourselves. We want to be able to figure out the negative aspects that we need to work on, but we also want to make sure we're able to anchor to those positive things because they're also going to influence our ability to behave in a productive way and our sense of self-worth and our ability to want to continue to move forward and push through dealing with the negative stuff. 
Anyway, hopefully there was a couple of little bits of information that you guys can take away. As always, please understand these are just my thoughts and feelings and opinions. And as such, they are not a substitute for getting professional mental health help. Thank you guys. Have a great week.